So me and David are the only acupuncturists in the clinic. It's lovely to bounce ideas off. When you first start out, I think you have a bit of a confidence dip. I think you have all your tools in your kit, you know the knowledge, but I think it's natural just to question yourself and doubt yourself. But Dave was always there as a supportive guidance. The structure's already there, I didn't have to set that up. That was a great pro, really, for going in with David. The facilities and the accessories that he provides are already, there's sinks in the rooms. I could just walk in, unload my gear and get going, and that was wonderful. I didn't have to think about anything else. Welcome to Acupuncture West London, the podcast. This is the podcast for students, practitioners, and enthusiasts of classical Chinese philosophy, Chinese medicine, and acupuncture. I'm your host, Ben Carrigan, coming to your ears all the way from London. So join me as we dive deep down the rabbit hole of Chinese philosophy and into the very concepts that inform our practice. Each episode focusing on a specific topic and its application within a clinical setting. This episode is brought to you courtesy of our brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. What are Yin and Yang? What are the laws of Yin and Yang? And how are they used as defining principles for our very existence? To answer these questions and more, download your free copy at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. Welcome to part two of our Year in Business podcast series. Over three episodes, we're talking to practitioners who have set up businesses in various guises. We're discussing the various pros and cons, considerations and potential pitfalls of setting up a practice from home, setting up as a practitioner within an established clinic, as a sole trader or as an employee, and finally setting up your own business. In part one, we spoke with Rachel Marks from Oak Ridge Acupuncture. She talked us through a year in business and lessons learned from setting up her own home practice in Horsham, West Sussex. If you haven't listened already, check it out. Today we're speaking to Vicky Newman, who talks us through a year in business and setting up as a practitioner within an already established clinic. Vicky is a graduate of the International College of Oriental Medicine and a fully certified member of the British Acupuncture Council. She is also a qualified paramedic with the South East Coast Ambulance Service. Today she's talking to us from Cherry Tree Acupuncture, her own practice which she has set up within the Marine Clinic in Rottingdean, East Sussex. Hi Vicky, thanks for joining us today. Hi Ben, thank you for inviting me, that's really kind Pleasure. of you. So I guess let's get stuck in. Okie dokie. So what were the factors in deciding to set up as a practitioner within an established clinic? So it kind of came quite naturally for me. I had Dave Bennett down in Rottingdean, who was my acupuncturist. And we built up such a lovely friendship that when he found out I was going to college to do acupuncture, he kind of said, there's always a space for you here, which I absolutely loved. It was really reassuring to know that I could go somewhere and there was somewhere that was already set up for me and ready to kind of go so um it, I fell into it more than anything I always wanted a space at home but I just don't feel like I was ready for it there and then um so I'm really happy with where it went sure and you mentioned David Bennett who you're working with now was he a factor you know because I know for myself I went to see Adrian Stoddart in Southfield mm -hmm. and he's the reason I started acupuncture in the first place so did you have a charge or inspiration like that I did I did completely yes uh I obviously went today for many back complaints that I had of uh, having worked in the ambulance service for so long. It's quite common. Uh, we got talking and I always wanted to keep my medicine up. Um, I'd never wanted to lose my medicine, but I wanted to have my own business and do a therapy that could help other people. 
Um, having found acupuncture, I wanted to learn a little bit more about how it works. Uh, so I looked into it, found a, a, a just it was so intriguing to learn. Um, I wanted to learn more, so I booked on a course and off I went. And Dave was so excited um, when I told him so. Um, it was it was really good. Yeah, that's where I found myself. And did you look into various different colleges at the time or did you just go straight to ICOM? For me, it was difficult because um, we, I have a young family. Um, me and my husband are both in the ambulance service. We do opposite shifts and we don't have any grandparent help um, with childcare. So time limitation kind of stopped me. I did look at a couple of universities in London. Um, I went to ICOM though, and I fell in love with it. Um, I love that small, intimate college rather than a, a big faceless number um, college that you find in London. It suited me more. Um, sure, because you have a couple of degrees, isn't that right? I have quite a plethora of degrees. <laughs> I'm <laughs> collecting <good>. them. Um, <laughs> I started off my in my youth. I did a tourism management degree, not knowing quite what I wanted to do in life. Oh, did you? I didn't and know then, that. Yeah, and then uh, I found myself doing all the in-house degrees that you have to do to become a paramedic nowadays. So I did a foundation degree. Then I did uh, my BSc in healthcare science for the paramedic practitioner degree. And now I've got my acupuncture degree. So yeah, I'm, I'm collecting them as I go. Great. And when you, you first had acupuncture with David, was that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Not long before you started studying. So you didn't have any childhood experience or, you know, like I had acupuncture, I guess, when I was maybe seven or eight for hay fever and I didn't wow. resonate with it at all, really. I didn't feel it did much. No. Um, and I guess I was quite skeptical about it as well growing up. And it was only when I had that breakthrough myself with it that I decided to study. Yeah. So how were you with that? Did you find that you resonated with it straight away or did you think this is mad science or were you skeptical about it or how did it work for you specifically? I think because I'm so Western medicine led in my past, everything is quite black and white. Um, I couldn't understand when a friend of mine said, have you tried acupuncture? When I went, the, the results were instantaneous and it didn't just sort my back out. It sorted my uh, anxiety, calmness, it sorted so many different levels of my body out that I kind of had a real uh, epiphany of, wow, medicine isn't just black and white. There's a lot of gray out there. And I just really, I took to it like a duck to water. Um, Great. I love the way that can happen, you know, particularly with people who are, have a root in Western medicine yeah. or Western thinking where they suddenly um, just resonate with it and go, wow, this is crazy. I was so sceptical. I was so sceptical. Mm. How can a needle put in my arm help my head or my headache or, you know, neck pain? Or, yeah, it was, it was, it was so intriguing. I had to learn more. That's my thirst for knowledge. That's why I've got four degrees. There we go. Yeah, yeah. good, good work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your clinic is called Cherry Tree Acupuncture. So what I wanted to know was, how does this work in practice? Do you operate from a space within the Marine Clinic as your own entity or are you an employee or how does it work specifically for you? So I wanted to set up my own business. I wanted branding. I wanted to brand myself so that people could recognize certain logos and things like that. So I really was excited to use the Cherry Tree logo um, and call myself Cherry Tree Acupuncture. Um, so I work as self-employed down in the Marine Clinic. I hire or rent the space from Dave. Um, I started one morning a week and it just grew quite nicely and steadily up to about three mornings a week 
just before we unfortunately went into lockdown. So yeah, oh yeah, of course, <laughs> crashing to a stop. Yeah, yeah, I think that happened for a lot of people, unfortunately, including yeah. myself. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's a bit of a shock. But so you are sort of the self-employed route as opposed to the employee route within the clinic, and you're your own entity. Yes, completely. Yeah. So yes. I guess one thing to mention is we don't have to go into too much detail about this, but just for listeners. I know that you can have setups within that context where you rent maybe per day or per half day or per hour versus maybe having an arrangement where someone takes a percentage of your income versus paying a fee per patient, which can be anywhere really between roughly 10 to 20 pounds. So you're doing a sort of a rental option for the room. Absolutely. Okay. Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. So have you sort of worked out any pros and cons of working in that way within an already established clinic? Like obviously working with David and are there other practitioners who you get to bounce off or what would be the pros and cons as you see them? So me and David are the only acupuncturists in the clinic. Um, he's always around. Um, it's lovely to bounce ideas off. When you first start out, I think you have a bit of a confidence dip. I think you have all your tools in your kit, you know the knowledge, uh, but I think it's natural just to kind of question yourself and, and doubt yourself. But Dave was always there as a supportive guidance the structure's already there. I didn't have to set that up. That was a great pro, really, for, for going in with David. The facilities and the accessories that he provides are already, there's sinks in the rooms. I could just walk in, unload my gear and get going. And that was wonderful. I didn't have to think about anything else. Mm. Um, and there's company. There's, I, I like the team spirit. I love that. Um, I, I work very well independently on my own. I'm a paramedic practitioner, so I work independently with the ambulance service quite a lot. But um, I love team spirit. I love working with other people and having a banter. Yeah, I'm in a very similar situation where I work in the clinic and I have Adrian there who's 35 years experience. Yeah. And it's great to have that support when you have a confidence dip. Maybe you have a difficult patient where oh, something yeah. doesn't go the way you want it. When everyone graduates, they suddenly have a dip or they feel very much on their own. And that confidence dip can really knock you and it can yes. be hard to come back from. Yep, definitely. With Adrian, I hear his voice in my head now because I'll go and I'll ask him about something and it'll be quite an in-depth question or maybe I'll have written extensive notes on something. <laughs> and he always comes back to the same question. He says, what does the pulse say? Yes. And that always resonates with me. And for that reason, I study pulses and I love pulses because sometimes you can just take something back to the basics, you know, literally to yin and yang or the pulses or just rain it in. You know, if there's yep. heat and the pulse is rapid, just clear heat. I think I was saying that with Rachel yesterday. Yeah. Just keep it simple. And yes. if that doesn't work, then fix it next time. You know, you don't have to fix someone. You can't fix someone in one treatment. No. Well, very rarely. <laughs> <laughs> it would you be know, wonderful, but it yeah. It would, no, yeah. But yeah. not even Western medicine can do that. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah. So, as you were saying, it's good to have David there. Do you get to ask him lots of questions? He's supportive oh he's amazingly supportive uh i have about three or four questions as i walk through the door uh throughout the day i'll fire a few more at him um yeah he's a great guy who uh is keen to mentor i think i think he's a great natural mentor after being in the business for 20 25 years you know you there's not much you don't know i imagine but i mean david practice is very different to me his training is very mm. different he's lemington spa trained he's five element Okay. Um, ICOM is very different. We have stems and branches. We do have five element. It was quite worrying at first when we kind of sat there looking at each other going, oh, I don't know where you're going with that. But our principal aim for the patient is always the same. And funnily enough, we often use the same points if we were going for the, the, the same aim. So um, I was reassured after a while that actually 
um, we're, we're aiming the same kind of result for the patient. Uh, we just got there a different way sometimes. I think that's really important, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he uses constitutional factors. Now, we never learned about that in ICOM, but it's fascinating to learn this different element that people use as diagnostic tools uh, and, and to use in treatment with the points. Um, and I filtered yeah. some of that into my practice and I've had great results. So even though I don't stick to it 100%, I might pull in a few points that might do the same job as, as I would have done anyway. Great. So what are the greatest considerations of setting up within an established clinic? I mean, obviously you have, you know, we've already discussed setting up as self-employed versus an employee mm. um, and the different income routes or, you know, if a clinic takes a percentage of income or they charge you a fee per patient or you pay rent. Yes. But in terms of working within a clinic, obviously it can vary from clinic to clinic, but what's included if you're talking about things like, you know, waste management contracts that you might have to have if you're working on your own? Or, you know, are needles included, light and heat, cleaning, towels, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. You know, because they're all considerations and costs. Yes, absolutely. So I get the room, I get the couch, I get all the couch roll. Um, I get the cleaning that needs to be done in the rooms. Um, what else do I get? Let me think. Um, I get everything apart from bringing my own needles, my own utensils that I use on the patients. Because of our practices is very different. Um, he practices Toyohari Japanese acupuncture style. So um, my Chinese is very different. So we, we have different utensils. So there's no point using the same as his. I wouldn't know what I was doing. Um, but yeah, uh, everything is outlined. The diary's there. You know, you I don't pay for any heating, water or anything like that. It's all included in just the, the space that I rent. Um, okay. And that's kind of for a morning or afternoon. And there's often ad hoc times I can squeeze patients in as well. So yeah, there's a lot of flexibility. Okay. And so you mentioned there about diary. So did they take bookings for you? No, I do that all myself. Um, I'm quite an organized person. I, I quite, I love uh, being, I don't want to say anal. <laughs> it just pops in my head. <laughs> now I have that. to put a warning on the podcast <laughs> for bad language. Thanks, Vicky. That's okay. <laughs> um, but I am quite organized. I like the control of organizing things, um, keeping everything up to date. Um, so yeah. we have a diary and this is where it gets quite interesting because I triple check everything. When I take a booking, I have to check the diary uh, in the clinic. I have to check my own written diary and I also have it on my phone so that if I'm out and about, I can check my availability. It hasn't let me down so far, but obviously when I get busier, hopefully I will, um, that things mm -hmm. may need to change. I might need to look at certain software to inbuild things like that so that, you know, I've got a triple, I've got a quadruple checker then. So, yeah. But at the moment, I'm quite happy. It's worked quite well. So Okay. And in terms of receiving payment, do you take that yourself? Or I assume if you've got your diary set that you take that yeah, directly? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, the patient pays after their treatment. Um, and that's the nicest way, I think, to do it. I, I think when you start out, you have a few personal feelings about things. I couldn't ever ask for money up front. That's just not me. Um, I like to make mm. sure that they've had a good treatment. They're happy with their treatment and then they pay. So yeah, I, um, I take the money myself. I always do payment afterwards as well because yeah. I feel kind of the same way. Yes. Or it just, I think when you lead with money, it just feels wrong for me personally. It feels like it's coming from the wrong place in me. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of initial outlays for working as a practitioner within a clinic, 
Do you have to worry about a practitioner license within your borough? Yes, I had to contact the council to make sure that they knew what I was doing and where I was doing it. And that's the only place I am licensed to practice acupuncture. Okay, because I think if you're setting up on your own, the practice that you're working in has to have a practice license, which they get through their council. Yeah. And then I guess different councils have different restrictions and guidelines that they give. Yes. Um, But in terms of practitioner license, Mm. if you're within London, I think the practitioner license is covered within the British Acupuncture Council realm. But then outside of London, I think it can be a separate thing, but it's worth checking for everybody that they have that covered. Absolutely. Now, I remember contacting my council, speaking to a lovely gentleman who just wanted to know that I was practicing, where I was practicing, whether they were actually registered and he checked it all out and everything checked out fine. So yeah, all good. Yeah, good. So how did you decide on pricing? Working within the clinic, does your pricing reflect that of the other practitioners like David or have you adopted a different model? Did you look at competition in the area or how did that work for you? So yes, I did feel like I had to reflect my inexperience compared to Dave's um, very long, uh, illustrious career. Um I wanted to come in quite low as well. And I was warned at the beginning not to sell myself too cheaply, but it felt better for me to come in a little bit lower while I have that lack of experience and then to gradually build each year. Um, I think I was lucky that this wasn't my whole sole career. I'm still working for the ambulance service, so I do have an income. So it felt a little bit easier for me just to keep the cost for the patients low. I wanted to encourage more people to try it. Um, And I think if you keep it a little bit lower, more people will just come and give it a go. But there's arguments both ways, Ben. So, you know, it's difficult to know if I did the right thing or not. But gradually my prices will come up as my experience grows. So, I think the most important thing for anyone setting up their own clinic or setting up as their own practitioner, however that might be, I think people need to price at a level that they feel comfortable with. Yeah. Because if you price at a level that you don't feel comfortable with, you're going to be apologetic every time you go for the um, the card reader or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. For me personally, I was the opposite end of the scale where I was working in Southfields and with the practitioners around me, I decided I didn't want to feel like I was undercutting them. Yes. But I also didn't want to charge more because I didn't feel like I had earned that yet. Yes. So what I did was I just matched them. Yes. And I said, right, that's what I'm charging. I've done my you know, three years uh, plus all my CPDs and whatnot. So I'm going to back myself with it. So that was just the way I did it. But then there were other practitioners who were far cheaper than I am. Yeah. And also I felt that if I put myself too cheaply, that it would be difficult to put myself up later on. It depends really on the patient. Some people will balk at a two pound increase. Other people (laughs) won't be bothered in the slightest. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I I know it's what you feel comfortable doing. And I must say, I'm the sort of person that money makes me cringe a little bit. I don't like it. It's very awkward to ask people for money. I know I've gone to university. I've studied this career. I'm out there doing it and I need to be charging a good amount. But that's something that's within me. I think everyone has different feelings of of how they feel about money. But yeah, I I do struggle there. But that will come with experience and a little bit more. um, I get the sense that we're both quite similar in terms of that because I've never been very strong on money. Uh, you know, I, I mean, who likes accounting anyway? No. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> let's be honest, or tax returns. I mean, I don't think there's any joy to be found in that. Definitely not. But I do sense that we're quite similar in the fact that we both are quite geared towards learning. Yes. And, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way towards anyone else, but, you know, some people will study and then they'll work, whereas I can't stop learning. I have to keep feeling like I'm moving forward, not just in business. It's more important for me, I think, personally, to keep learning yes. than to be 
building a business because I think if I feel confident in what I'm doing, mm. then I think that'll refer to everything else. I know. I totally agree with you there. Um, mm. Everyone's different. Um, and But yeah, absolutely. There's a thirst there to constantly learn, to keep my skills up so that I'm being the best practitioner I can for that patient. And, you know, you want to solve everyone's problems. Um, and the more knowledge you have, knowledge is power. So, yeah, the more knowledge you have you're going to do better with your patients. So. Well, the funny thing is, obviously, as practitioners, particularly nowadays, we have to be very careful. But when I went to see Adrian back in 2015, I went to see him and I'd had a problem with my ear. I think I may have mentioned this before. And I'd been to see various hearing specialists and they were saying to me, there's nothing wrong with you. Your hearing's way above average. But basically, everyone said I was fine. Mm. And I still, I had quite bad pain in my ears and quite bad tinnitus. Mm. But he was the only person, having seen specialists and GPs and doctors and all sorts, he was the only person that ever said to me, I can help you. Yes. And those are very powerful words and things that people shy away from because because of the sort of the, the legal things that people have to adhere to these days in this day and age. But it's so powerful just to be able to give someone that feeling of when you say to someone I can help mm. you or even I'm going to try and help mm. you it, it's very powerful and I think it's very important for people to know that you're doing your best and you're not just a number yes absolutely and that they see you for what you are and where you are and going to try and lift you out of something yes yeah yeah absolutely um so okay so moving on how did you build a network of referrals where did you find most of your patients coming from did you look for your own or did they come from within the clinic or how did that work so this was uh, another great reason to go with an already established clinic um dave is really busy he's uh he's kind of turning people away when i arrived which was wonderful um, so he started redirecting them towards me, which was a great setup because when you first start out, you are going to be quite quiet until your business builds. Um, so he, he kind of redirected a few of his patients towards me as well. And then it grew exponentially from there. It was family and friends of these people. Um, I'm very lucky that I have a green family, my ambulance family. Um, they were very keen to find out how my learning was going throughout the three years. And they were knocking up my door as soon as I'd qualified to come and try it for themselves. So I've had quite a few people from the ambulance service as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been really lucky. Uh, that Dave was so busy and he he redirected so many my way. We had a referral fee that I kind of, um, he charged me, which was absolutely fine. That's a good thing to touch on, actually. Yeah, referral fees and that kind of thing. In terms of setting up within the clinic, what do you feel has worked really well and what hasn't worked so well? Or what would you have done differently in hindsight? Um, what would I have done differently? Not an awful lot, to be fair. Um, I still feel so brand new. Um, I can't really f reflect on too much. I know getting my website sorted, getting posters and leaflets uh, at the very beginning was good to get those done so that people ask you, you just got something to provide them, business cards, things like that. Get that started straight away. Okay. No, I mean, business cards are a must, yes, aren't they, really? they are. Yeah. But for me, I was speaking to Rachel yesterday yeah. about this and leaflets I found personally were a waste of money because... You know, for the first couple of months, you're changing things and maybe you might change your days, your hours, your prices. Yep. And so I kind of felt personally they were a bit out of yeah. date before I'd even started. So they're all sitting here and I haven't handed them out in ages. And I think I ordered like a thousand of them or something, because the more you order, the the cheaper they are kind of That's thing. That's it. I think I did the same thing. I've 
I've got quite a bundle at work still. Um, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe get not getting the leaflets done, but I've done a couple of well-being days um, okay. in local town halls, and they were brilliant. And I just stood there handing out leaflets, and people were more than happy to take them. And and it, it was it was a great way of kind of introducing myself and having a product to give them. Yeah. Um, this day and age, it did feel a little bit uncomfortable because we try, all try to do our bit for the environment. I think that's good, though. If you're using them quite quickly for an event yes. or something, I think they're a very good idea. Yeah. I think putting hours and prices on them maybe is no. difficult, though, because people will kind of go, oh, you know, I have a leaflet from six months ago and it has this price <laughs> on it. And then you're prepared for some sort of an argument or people expecting a discount Absolutely. of sorts or something. Yeah. But then in terms of other things like advertising, yeah. is there anything you've focused on? I mean, obviously, the website is a huge and horrendous beast that needs to be managed at some point for all of us. But um, anything else that you did, like advertising or Google or Microsoft, anything like that? So, Ben, with with all this university degrees that I've got, uh, my PC skills are very minimal. It came to building a website and I attempted it, but didn't get very far. And I just thought, you know what? It's better to get it done professionally. So I did go with that um, idea. I got it done professionally. Uh, I still pay them a little bit each month, um, only very minimal amount, just to keep it topped up, keep things changing, keep things regular, updating blogs, things like that. So that was a great, that was a massive investment at the very beginning. But for someone who's PC, mm. PC illiterate, it was the best thing for me. Um, and I had that breath, uh, you know, that that exhalation of, thank God I don't have to kind of sit here and work through it because um, that would have been mind numbing for me, I think. Yeah. Um, advertising, I'm on Google Business. I obviously wanted to get on the map straight away, um, but I don't think my website is that strong. So I'm not very good at keeping uh, in the ranks, high in the ranks. Um, and I didn't really find that I needed to do much more advertising. My my referrals came in, my patients came in, they came into a clinic and asked. So I gained some that way. So I didn't, I know at some point I'm going to have to look at my advertising and marketing, but at the moment I'm happy where I'm, where I'm at. So social media is a, another bugbear for me. I didn't realize how much social media, um, social media presence was a real, uh, shock to me. Um, I am on Facebook, um, but that was about it. And I wasn't very good at it. Uh, I'm a bit of a voyeur rather than a, a blogger or, or anything like that. Um, <laughs> I just like reading about other people's situations <laughs> rather than posting stuff myself. So when it came to social media, it was a real struggle for me to think that I had to have build so many platforms and keep them all up to date, keep them, um, you know, keeping some interest out there. But I think there's, you've got to find a balance that you're comfortable with, with being out there in the world, but not being in everyone's faces. I think too much social media presence can become quite negative and annoying. It can. Um, I hate being bombarded by people all the time, selling me this, selling me that. I didn't want that for my business. Um, and I'm lucky enough that I don't actually need it. So um, at the moment, who knows? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I was saying to Rachel yesterday, I'm not a fan of social media. No. Coming from a tech background with all the music and audio background, I know about it and I know how to kind of use mm. it, but I don't enjoy it because I think it's time consuming and it's just mentally exhausting. It is, yeah. I've spent time on my website and I designed my own website through WordPress, which is really time consuming. Yeah. And it means you have to update it all. And every time you do an update, you have to be prepared for glitches yeah. that need to be fixed or something doesn't load properly or your booking form doesn't work. And that can be really stressful, yeah, actually. Yeah. And the social media, because I'm in an area of London that's very competitive, 
I've concentrated very hard on the social media aspect yeah. and backlinks to my website. And, you know, it's one of the reasons for doing the podcast actually is to get high quality backlinks from Apple and Spotify yeah. and Google and everything, and then being able to learn as well yeah. and create a sort of a community and build the brand of my clinic as that's well. It. So that's kind of the way I went around mm. it. Um, I did Google advertising, which wasn't successful for me mm. um, because it was expensive. Yeah. You've got to keep an eye on it. Yeah, absolutely. You can end up spending quite a lot on advertising. I, I did the same as you. I did a little Google ad. Um, I had a date in my diary to check it, to see how much and review it. And I pulled out straight away because, well, actually, I think I was, it was a click per pay situation yes. but i think i was actually yeah. going into my own website and being a clicker oh, really? so i didn't oh, realize no. that till later but yeah i was checking my website and obviously going through the click for play <laughs> charging myself oh, gosh, yeah. but um there's things like this that you learn but no i pulled out of my google ad as well i could see how it would be good but i'm just not ready yet i i just don't feel, i think this is all i'm, I'm going to grow my knowledge about having my own or my own business organically nice and slowly and steadily and yes you've got to have the knowledge but I'm in no rush. It's going to come. Yeah. And it's going to come from quizzing other people, asking what they're doing, learning about different. But just don't think that there's, you know, we only were up and running for nine months. So I think that's all going to come and we're going to learn the best places to market our business mm. and, and advertise. It's so important because we're, we're led to believe that SEO and Google advertising and all of that stuff is super important. Yeah. And it is if you're in a really competitive environment. Yes. But at the end of the day, what is that trying to achieve? You're trying to get patients and you're trying to build your clinic. And if you're getting referrals and you're you're making a good living, then, you know, it depends where they come yes. from. There was one month I think I spent about 300 pounds on Google yeah. advertising, yeah. Uh, which is a lot of money, Jeez. obviously. Yeah. And I did not see the return that I felt justified it. Yeah. So I just went down the route of trying to go, OK, well, I'm just going to build my SEO and do backlinks and set up podcasts and do this, that and the other. Yeah. And it worked much better. Yes. You know, yeah. um, so each to their own, Absolutely. really. But yeah. it's easy to feel like you're missing out if you're not doing these things. You're not ticking the boxes that everyone says you should be ticking. Oh, gosh, yeah. And the worst thing is, as soon as you even type advertising into your Google homepage mm -hmm. or whatever and search for it, then you suddenly have all these ads coming up on Facebook. And every time you go online saying, you know, you need this, you need that, mm. you need that. And it's so easy to feel overwhelmed and to fall into that trap yeah. of feeling like you have to spend all that money. I'm really not a believer in that. No, no, I agree completely. Yeah. So yeah, we talked about website and that you outsource that, yeah. which I think is a good idea because yeah. I myself, as I said, did WordPress and that's a steep learning curve. It has much more scope for design and functionality. It's inexpensive, but it is time consuming mm. and you need to know what you're doing. Mm. Otherwise you have things like Wix or Squarespace, which I think some people I know have set up their own yep. websites that way. And that's quite good and easy. It's a little more expensive because then it's like a monthly thing. But I think the route you've gone down where you have someone who looks after yeah. it and someone you can pick up the phone to is, oh, is a great way to do it. It's brilliant. Again, it takes that stress out of starting your own business. It, I don't have to worry about learning whole new, you know, developmental software, computers. I can just say, can you set me this? Let's design it like this. Mm. And can I pay you a little bit each month just to keep it going? It just suits me and my non-PC mind very well. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you to Vicky Newman for joining me. Stay tuned for part two of my interview with Vicky, which is also available now as episode seven. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about Vicky and her Rottingdean-based clinic, Cherry Tree Acupuncture, 
check out cherrytreeacupuncture.co.uk. For questions about today's episode, I'd love to hear from you. So get in touch at podcast at acupuncture-westlondon.com. Finally, don't forget to check out the show notes at acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash podcast, where you can also find more info on free trials and discounts for lots of clinic management solutions we've talked about in this episode. See you next time. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. To keep up to date with all of our upcoming episodes, sign up to our podcast newsletter. By doing so, you'll get your very own copy of my brand new ebook, Yin and Yang. Check out acupuncture-westlondon.com forward slash free ebook. See you next time.